Thank you for listening to the teaching podcast of Muncie First Church. If you would like to know more about us, go to MuncieFirstChurch.com. Or if you would like to support a ministry, go to the giving page, MuncieFirstChurch.com slash give. Well, let's jump into the teaching from this last week. If you have your Bibles, take them and turn to Ecclesiastes. And you go, what? And uh, it's really a book. It's not one of those that Ian makes up from time to time. This is a real one, okay? And uh, it's in there. It's after the Psalms. So you go Psalms and then just keep going and you'll find it. And um, we're going to look at just uh, some stuff out there. I don't know that I've ever preached a message from Ecclesiastes completely. And um, I'm going to be doing that today. And I want to start off by asking you, who or what really makes you happy? You know, just think about that. Is there anything that you go, man, you know, when I do that, that makes me happy. When I'm with them, they make me happy. Uh, you know, when I eat that, that makes me happy. <laughs> I don't know. You know, is there anything that just, you go, wow, that, that just really makes me happy? Or another way maybe is this. What really gives your life meaning? What, what is it in your life right now that you go, man, that gives my life so much meaning. And I, I just... You know, I, I love that because it really gives my life meaning. Um, you know, maybe a someone who makes you happy. I'll go back to that for just a minute. You know, maybe it's a husband or a, a wife or a child or a friend. Uh, you know, it's funny. Most of the time when I talk to people, they'll say things like this. Well, I have a friend who makes me really happy. I hardly ever hear a wife say, I have a husband who really makes me happy. I don't know exactly what that's all about, but maybe that's something we all need to work on a little bit. But maybe there's something that makes you happy, a new car, a bigger house, a vacation. And the question we have to ask as we begin all this is, will these things that we're talking about, will those things that you are talking about that make you happy, will they make you happy forever? Will they last forever? That's a good question. Will they last through eternity? Will they last forever? Because see, if things don't last forever, then you will lose your happiness and you'll lose your joy and you'll lose your meaning in life and eventually, life will become meaningless. It will become pointless. And I'll tell you something right now. The proof is in the pudding, so to speak. If you look around you right now and you talk to most people, their lives are struggling to have meaning, and yet we probably have more stuff, more things than ever before. You know, most people rent storage space outside of their home because they have so much stuff. <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking about that, you know? I mean, uh, I, I don't have storage space yet. <laughs> I'm going to qualify that. At this point, I don't have storage space. But, you know, I got a house full of stuff, and I got a garage full of stuff, and I got a couple of sheds. And, you know, I mean, if you're not careful, you have a whole bunch of stuff. But it doesn't really give your life meaning or purpose. So the bottom line is this. A life without meaning leads to unhappiness and, and I think to death, spiritual death, not physical death. I'm talking about spiritual death here. But a life without meaning and purpose leads to unhappiness and it leads to spiritual death. So the question I want to ask is this. What or who is it that gives your life meaning and who or what makes you happy? And along with that question, I want to ask, does the things you believe in and hold tightly to that give meaning to your life, will they last forever? Will they be here through the fire and through the flood and will they be here through the long haul that's a very good question will the house the car the things people will they last forever friendships even your marriage will it last forever you know the bible says no 
Amen. Some of you, no. I thought I might get one amen anyway. Bible says no. Bible says there won't be marriage in heaven. <laughs> you know, so if you're uh, going, man, I'm going to hang on for the next 10 years, but after that, you know, you are going to be free. That's what the Bible says. You've got uh, 10 more years and you're out of here. So it's okay, you know. So I want to talk about that. I want to talk about what believing, what I believe is the one thing that will last forever and therefore the only thing that will give your life meaning and you probably already know what it is. This is a reminder message. You ever get those on your your text, you know, a reminder, today will be 422 degrees. Don't mow your yard in Milton at noon, you know. I mean, it's, it's like that today. I can feel it in here. The heat's just starting to go. Either that or the air conditioners have quit completely. I don't know. Whichever one, it's starting to get warm in here. Maybe it's me. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Let me read them for you. The words of the teacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless everything is meaningless what does man gain from his labor which he toils under the sun generations come and generations go but the earth remains forever the sun rises and the sun sets and it hurries back to where it rises and the winds blow to the south and turn to the north and round and round it goes ever returning on its course and all streams flow to the sea and yet the sea is never full to the place the streams come from there they return again and all things are wearisome more than one can say the eye never has enough of seeing nor the ear its fill of hearing what has been will be again what has been done will be done again there's nothing new under the sun is there anything of which one can say look this is something new it was already here long ago it was here before our time there is no remembrance of men of old even those who are yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow are you depressed yet it's tough to read that. If you're in a bad day, you know, a little depressed, it's not a good thing to read Ecclesiastes necessarily. But yet there is some truth that we get out of this. Solomon, David's son, is king of Israel, and he's probably the richest man that ever lived on the face of the earth. They say he had way more money than Bill Gates. And that's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. He was probably the richest, uh, had, had more things, had, had more ability to accumulate things than anyone who has ever lived. And he's writing this, and it's like he's journaling. It's like he's talking to each one of us in his journal, actually. He's just being honest. And he concludes with these questions. What do men get from their labor and their work? And why do all things become wearisome? You know, even fun things become wearisome after a while. Have you ever done something so many times you go, man, I don't want to do that anymore? You know? Uh, I, I, I would think, I may be dead wrong on this, but professional golfers after a while go you know i don't want to hit any more golf balls for a while i've had enough now some of you are sitting there going i don't think that's true and that may not be true i don't know but it would seem that way to me i i think that no matter what you do in life if you do it long enough it becomes a job and if it's a job it can become wearisome you know i've always thought it'd be fun to you know, like be a guy who gets to ride a motorcycle every day, go to work and ride a motorcycle for some reason. You know, I don't know, chase after people on a motorcycle. I, you know, yesterday we went on our motorcycle ride. The sheriff guy was on his motorcycle. He's the guy that got to go flying past us, and then he turned around and fly back past us. I was sitting there going, put, 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 put. You know, and I kept telling Darcy, I want to be him. I want to be him. But I bet he gets tired after a while. The things we do over and over again become wearisome. And, and so he concludes with that. Um, this question, he says, is there really anything here on earth? Is there really anything here on earth that we can say, that's brand new? That's never been done before. Never seen that before. 
And the answer to that is no. There is nothing new. Solomon is king, and, and I got to think about this. Surely, if you're the king, and if you're as rich as he is, surely you do not ever come to a place where things become tedious and mundane and ordinary. I mean, you just do something new that day. You just say, I'm not going to do that again. And you throw it away and you start over because you got so much money, it doesn't matter. You're a king, and you can tell people to do what, they are, what you want done. But King Solomon's asking, is there anything here on earth of which we can say, look, something new? Surely a man with everything could find happiness, but Solomon is basically saying the same thing that a lot of us say. It's that thank goodness, or today, or what is it, uh, thank God it's Friday, you know, TGIF, thank God it's Friday. He's, he's doing the same thing there. He, he's weary. He's been getting up every morning, just like us. He, he washes his face, he takes a shower, whatever he did back then. He gets his clothes on, he goes into the king room and sits in there and he does his king job, and, and he, he goes and has his king lunch. And then when he's done, he goes in and he has some more king work to do. And then he gets done with that and he goes home and he eats supper with his king wives. You know, and, and when he's finished with that, he does whatever he does and he goes to bed and he gets up in the morning and he puts on, you know, he washes his face and he starts it all over again, just like you do. Anybody understand what I'm saying? You know, he probably didn't have to drive down 69. Some of you know what I'm talking about. That You do that regularly, you understand how... He didn't have to do that. So, you know, it might be worse now than it ever was. <laughs> Thank you. But that routine of daily life, it overwhelms us after a while. We get so overwhelmed by that. Solomon's looking for the same things that we are. What lasts and what gives life meaning? What can we do that stays done? What in life really matters? I mean, let me ask you a question. Does it really matter if you make your bed? I mean, I'm asking that. I'm, I'm serious. <laughs> you know, think about that. I mean, does it really matter if you make your bed? Because you're going to take it back down and you're going to get back in it and you're going to sleep in it and you've got to make it again. And nothing ever stays done. I saw a meme this week says, I, I tried that dusting thing one time. I'm not getting caught up in that again. <laughs> you know, and, and that's the way a lot of us feel right now. You know, it's like, do we have to do that over again? The house never stays clean. The gas tank never stays full. The grass, I am going to invent someday something when you finish mowing, it looks awesome. You sprinkle it on there and it never moves. Man, that grass just stays like that because it never stays cut. The car never stays new. You know, I remember when I got my truck, I said, now I've got a newer truck. It's going to be nice forever. But you know, it's starting to show signs of wear. It's just the way it is. The clothes, they go out of style. Some of us wear them anyway. So Solomon decides to make a change in his life and to try anything. He's going to do whatever it takes to find something that brings happiness and that gives life real meaning. And his thoughts are, I will not deny myself anything. That's what he says to himself. I won't deny myself anything. He's on past as we go down through the scripture. And so Solomon pursues knowledge and wisdom. He pursues laughter he pursues wine and, heart and, and, and strong drink. He, he pursues folly or foolishness, just, just being goofy and just having fun and doing whatever. He builds houses. He, he digs great reservoirs for water to water the vineyards that he plants and the farms that he builds. He makes gardens and he makes parks. He bought and bred and trained slaves. He built large herds of livestock. He acquired a large harem of women. The Bible's 
talks about his legendary harem that he accumulates, thousands of women that he has in his harem. He pursued sexual pleasure. As I was reading this, it just reminded me a lot of what we do today. We may not be able to do it on the grand scale that Solomon did, but my goodness, it sounds a lot like the way we do today. Let's build a bigger house. Let's buy a new car. Let's, let's uh, build this. Let's make the yard prettier. Let, let's accumulate. Let's build. We may not buy slaves, but, you know, we do other things. And, you know, we may not have harems, but, you know, we, we pursue others to be a part of our lives and sexual pleasure and all those things. He didn't deny himself anything, but if you look at verse chapter 2, verse 11, his conclusion in all of this is this, yet when I surveyed all that my hands had accomplished and done, it had no meaning. It was meaningless. Why? Why or how when you've accomplished and indulged in so much can you end up saying it has no meaning? How does that happen when we've done everything, when we have so much available to us, when we can do anything we want these days? I mean, I can hop on an airplane and I can fly across the ocean in just a short time and be anywhere in the world. Why is it that I sit here and say life has no meaning? We keep talking about how life has become, uh, how it's going down and, and it's not as good as it used to be. And I go, what are we talking about here? I can get on an airplane. I can fly to California in a few minutes. I can, I can go wherever and, and there's food available. I, I don't have to go out and butcher my own cow. You know, there were a time when that wasn't possible. There was a time when, when where most of you live, you wouldn't have come to this church because you wouldn't be able to drive here and back in a day. And so now we've got all these great things happening, and yet we say life is not good. And the answer is this, because as soon as you finish the house that you built, someone else builds a house, and you go, oh, they got stuff I don't have. Or maybe it's because that new car you bought GM came out with a later model 15 minutes after you bought yours. That just ticks me off when they do that. You know, Harley Davidson's the worst. They don't tell you what they're getting ready to do. And then they change things. And then, I mean, it's, it's incredible. They, they come out with this new Milwaukee 8 engine. And, and, you know, everybody that doesn't have one of those is now wanting to trade their old one back in. Which is good for guys like me who know they can't afford the newest. So we just go buy the old stuff for a lot less money. That's a good deal. But, but for a lot of guys, they're sitting there going, what in the world, you know? Or, or you redecorate your house. You know, a few years back, Darcy and I said, hey, we're going to remodel. We're going to do it. And we did, man. We, we tore out walls and we put up things and we painted and we got done new carpet and tiles. We made it look great. And then we looked at their bells and go, man, I think we missed the style. It changed while we were doing it. I mean, now we look at it and we go, well, we'd like to do it again, but we're afraid because, man, you know, get done 15 minutes later, they changed it again and we missed all over again. Solomon wrote uh, what so many of us have learned. I hated life because all the work I did and accomplished was meaningless. The rivers, he said, run into the sea, but the sea never gets full. <laughs> you know, you think about that. You plant the field, you reap the crops, and then next year, guess what? You got to do it all over again. And it seems so absurd that all this that Solomon had amassed and possessed had no meaning. And he goes on and gives us another reason for it all being so meaningless. Just like the house that never stays dusted, our lives are never, uh, our lives are not even permanent. Think about that for a minute. I mean, you know, I get up, I, I was born in 1957 and I grew and I became this person and, and I came here, you know, in, in, in 1995 and I was still fairly young 
And, and now I'm 61 years old and I find myself growing weaker and man, things hurt more than they ever did. My life isn't permanent. I'm, you know, you go, <laughs> and that's where we're at. And, and you young people thinking, well, that's good. You're an old geezer. Guess what? Next week you'll be an old geezer. It'll happen. It'll happen. We're born, we grow up, we learn, we grow strong and educated, and then we grow old and die. I remember standing in the hospital uh, working with, when I was working in the hospital in high school, and there was an old doctor who died, and I was thinking, man, what a shame we can't somehow harvest that education. You know, it just seems so meaningless that he would be so educated and so capable, and then he's gone. It's meaningless. Because it's all so temporary. It's just dust in the wind. And Solomon writes, verse 18, I hated everything I had toiled for because one day I have to leave it to the one who comes after me. You ever think about that? Solomon's beef with life was that everything was temporary, disposable, was repeated, nothing new from generation to generation. We all just live and work and do the same things over and over again, and then we leave everything here. And I've thought about this recently. Steve Jobs passed away, the guy that took Apple to the place it's at today, and he took none of it with him, and now they're starting all over, and somebody someday will say, well, that was old technology, and somebody will put that away, and there'll be a whole new thing. It's just the way it is, and, and someday Bill Gates will die, and, and people will forget all about them. They'll become dust, and their memory will be a faint, faint memory. Their accomplishments will be eclipsed and forgotten. Solomon was Jewish, and for the most part, the Jews did not believe in heaven. They typically, and he believed that you lived now and did the best you could for yourself, and then you died, and that was it. It was finished. It was over. And that would have been all of life, and you left it all here, and there was no life, no reward that followed. And that's why Solomon said this, that the best a man could ever do was to not deny himself anything. And that's how he saw life. Think about what it would be like if you did not believe in an afterlife. Right now, right now, take away your belief in heaven that God is going to return, that Jesus Christ has come here to save you from your sins so that you could live eternally. Take all of that away. And if you believe that this is all there is, what we see, taste, touch, and feel, then how would that change your life? You would get an education. You would build business, a farm. You'd raise some kids. Then you died, and that was it. And you would live your life would you live your life, I should ask, differently than what you're living it right now? I'm going to tell you the truth, I would. <laughs> you know, if you aren't, well, that's up to you, but I would live totally differently. I remember going to auctions with my dad. Anybody ever do that? Go to farm auctions, especially when you're younger. I mean, uh, all these farms were, all these uh, single-family farms were breaking up at that point. The parents were dying. There was no one to take it on. It was, uh, it was the end of an era. And I'd go with my dad during that time and, and and even as a kid, it just seemed so sad to me that everything these people had accumulated and built was being torn apart one piece at a time. And, and then I did my dad's estate a few years back, and I was in charge, and, and I remember breaking everything up that he had accumulated. And we now have a few things, but most of it's gone, including the money that he accumulated that he was so excited about and all the things. Keep in mind that life seems meaningless. It's a running after the wind, it seems. Keep in mind also that Solomon believed in God. In fact, it was Solomon who built the first temple for God to live in. Solomon understood sin. He grasped that sin separates us from God. He understood the sacrifice of blood for forgiveness. He even grasped a hold 
of the, uh, uh, that life without God is, is, is without meaning. He understood that no matter how much we accumulate, we cannot find our way back to God. We remain separated. We remain dead. And for Solomon, there was no way to change that fact. And so that helps us as we understand what he's trying to say here. A blood sacrifice and redemption appeased God for a moment, but the separation and death were real and unchangeable. Life was going to live. You were going to do the best you could, and then you are going to die, and it was going to be over. That's how Solomon saw it. Man could do no better than to eat, drink, and find satisfaction in his work. And that's all fine. That's the way he saw it. But I have a question for you that I want us to make a transition here with. What if that isn't the end? Because I don't believe it is the end. What if that isn't the end? What if we don't die spiritually? What if we go on existing forever? What if we have a consciousness or an awareness that will go on forever? What if life never ends? What if life really does have purpose and can have meaning? If life has purpose of meaning, and if it goes on forever, wouldn't you want to know the purpose and find the meaning so that you could make the most out of this gift that we do call life? It is pretty amazing, after all, that I have an awareness and a consciousness of things that are going on around me right now. Don't you think? Well, I believe life does have meaning and purpose, and I also believe it goes on forever, and I believe it's the only way to happiness. And I want to give you five things I think will help guide you to meaning and happiness in life. These are just little guides. These are just pointing arrows, pointing to that direction. You don't have to seek it. But I believe that the Bible is the Word of God, number one, and that you should read it, especially the New Testament, the New Covenant, because contained within the pages of this New Covenant are the very reasons for everything we do and experience. See, I think that a lot of people are trying to live life without the owner's manual. We act like men, even you women. You're acting like men. You know, when I'm talking about, you know, when you buy that new thing and you're supposed to put it together, the first thing you do is throw away the instructions so that you don't have that getting in your way. You know, that's how men work. The New Testament, read it. You know, I know some of you are going, ah, I'm too busy. Then you're wasting time. Read it. Get in your Bible. And I'm not talking about a verse a day. Get some time. Sit down. Read it. Pray before you read it. Holy Spirit, help me understand. Begin to read and study and ask God to give you clarity on what life is about. And he will do it. In the New Testament, you will find the purpose for your existence. Secondly, I believe that all purpose and meaning and happiness in life begins with faith. That without faith, it's impossible to please God. And without God, there is no happiness. So we all need to acknowledge there is, that this is a faith journey that we're on. Right now, I have a guy that we've been talking to, and he keeps saying, I'm a scientist. Unless you can show me God, I'm not going to believe. Well, he's lost, and he's eternally lost because God isn't physically able to be shown in that way right now. But I can tell you by faith that I have seen God work and act in ways even this week that are amazing. It's a faith journey you're on. And you've got to begin to believe that. As it is in heaven means that. As it is in heaven. Right now when we say things like person is healed in heaven, we may not see the evidence of it according to Hebrews 11.1. 1. We may not see the evidence of it right now, but by faith we believe it's already taken place and we believe and we believe into that and we continue to live in that faith. Same thing for what we believe about God, how we live our lives. It's a faith journey. And we're just going to have to trust God for things. Third thing is this. I believe that it's possible to have an intimate and real relationship with God, even though I can't see him. We need to recognize that we are spirit beings and that all, 
and that not all things are experienced in a physical way. A lot of us are walking around saying, well, if I can't taste, touch, feel, and all whatever, hear, whatever the senses are, if I can't participate in it that way, then I don't believe in it. Let me tell you something. We're spiritual before we're physical. It's just that right now this physical thing gets in the way. But there's a spirit being inside of each one of us that we are, and that thing that is spiritual is seeking that which is spiritual. It is seeking God. And the new, and here's the good news, the real and the spiritual things are new every day. They're exciting, and they're permanent. They don't change like shifting shadows. God doesn't come here one day and say, this is how I am, and then pop over here and say, no, I was kidding. It's like this. He's the same all the time. The fourth thing is this, I believe that if you believe in God as your father, that it will change the way you do life. See, right now, if you say, oh, I'm a Christian, yeah. but if you believe in God as your father, if you believe that he has come inside of you and lives in you and is seeking you, then it will change what the, you do with your life. Your goal will not be just accumulate experiences, money, and things here on earth where one day you will die and leave it. Instead, you will live to serve and give yourself away. And in doing so, you will lay up riches in the bank of heaven. Notice what I did there. That you can never take away from us. That can never be taken away from us. Isn't that good news? Right now, that's the thing we ought to all be doing. What can I do to lay up riches in heaven? We're working so hard to get the next big house. We're working so hard to have the next new car. We're working so hard to get on that vacation. What if instead we said, what can I do to lay up the riches in heaven? What can I do for others that God will use? Fifth thing is this, I believe if we live out the life of faith in God and accept the gift of salvation provided for us through Jesus Christ, his son, that we're going to live life with great happiness and joy and meaning, that the real meaning of life will be found in Jesus Christ and him alone. You will not find meaning in stuff. As long as you live and as long as you work, you may have some good days. And even in your family, you may have some good things. And next week, I'm going to talk about people and, and, and our and a relationship with them. But you will never find the joy and the peace that Solomon was trying to get outside of Jesus Christ. It just isn't possible. There is only one way to find peace in your life, and that is through Jesus Christ, through God. You know, here's the truth. What seems real is temporary, and what seems almost fantasy-like is real, and will last throughout eternity. And you got to get a hold of that. How would that truth have changed Solomon's life? How would that change what you value and how you live now? What are you going to do about it? Life does last forever. I believe that today. And through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our lives, all that we do and all that we say will have meaning in life forever and ever and ever, forevermore. We are living a life that needs to have purpose. And that purpose is God. And if you choose to make a relationship with Jesus, our life's priority, then we will have a life of meaning. And if we choose to live for ourselves and outside of that, if we choose to do our own thing, outside of that relationship with Jesus Christ, then everything we have done, everything we have done, will be taken away from us. Everything. Because you will not even be married to your husband, your spouse, your wife in eternity. Everything will be taken away. Everything. The only thing that can truly make us happy is a meaningful, purposeful existence. And the only way there is any meaning in this life is that life is to live, in, in this life is to live in relationship with Jesus.
And the bottom line in all this is, is that a life without meaning will lead to unhappiness. I see it all the time. Unhappy people everywhere. Temporarily happy when they get that new phone. But they were happy when they got the old phone too for a while. That's another thing. I lived with my iPhone 4 forever and I finally got an iPhone 7 and I was so excited and then they got an iPhone 8. And then they skipped 9 and now they got a 10, which means I'm like three generations out. And I'm just like, what the heck? You know, what am I going to do now? Can't afford a new phone. So it leaves me a little unhappy about that. Most people today seem to have set self as their purpose. How can I make me happy? How can I make me feel good? And so we buy, we hoard. And we, buy, and we believe the lie that if we could just buy one more thing, that boat, that motorcycle, that car, the shoes, then it'll be okay. Then I'll be happy. But the truth is it never leads to happiness. The only thing that gives our life meaning is eternal life through Jesus Christ. I know I've said that before, but I want to say it one more time. The only thing that gives our life meaning is, e is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Jesus can bring us hope. Only Jesus brings us purpose and meaning. Everything else will eventually let you down. I promise you that. Jesus addressed this in the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 7, the very end. He said there's two kinds of people in the world. There's the kind that will build their life on things like things. And it's called building on sand. You'll dig the foundation into sand and start the house, and it'll look good for a while, and you'll get it built, and move in, and you'll say, look, we cut the corners. We didn't dig deep. We managed, and look, we survived, and everything's good. And then the storms of life begin to hit, and it washes away the foundation, and the house gets crooked, and it falls down. The other one dug down deep. They discovered the true meaning of life was Jesus Christ, and they dug down till they got to that, and they built their house on that which will last forever. And the storms hit, and the storms rage, and the house stands. We used to sing an old song that said, heaven and earth may pass away, but Jesus never fails. It may be an old song, but the truth is still good. It's the good truth. There's only one place life will have meaning that is the only place i should say that life will have meaning is when we have peace in a relationship with god through jesus christ i've asked nathan he's going to come up and lead us and we're going to wrap up here today and i know it's getting warm and you're probably going man we gotta get out of here and i understand that i think there's about four of us who'll survive the oxygen level in here pretty quick so we need to wrap it up but you know God's good. He'll take care of us. I, I, I just believe there may be some who just say, you know, I need, to, I need to pray. I need to say, hey, God, you know, I've kind of lost my direction a little bit. I need to take care of that. I, I realize most of you here probably aren't rank centers that are living, you know, way off the beaten path. But, but I got to tell you one of the things that Satan does the most in this world is he loves, loves, loves to just get us to get our eyes just off a little bit. Not a lot the things and they get to distracting us and they get to worrying us and they get to bothering us and, and our eyes are on them instead of on him and we lose our happiness and we lose our joy and so today I'm just going to offer a chance for you to come down here and I'm not going to make a big deal about it but if you would like to come down here and pray to just say God 
I want to get my eyes back on you, back off of things, back off all the stuff, get my eyes and my focus on you. The altar is going to be open. Let's stand together and let's worship. And if you want to pray, come on down. We'll pray together at the end. I believe God's speaking to a lot of hearts. Please come. I love the part that says that uh, nothing else will do. Old things have passed away. Nothing else will do. Jesus Christ is the only thing that's going to supply your need. You know, and all the other stuff that we think is going to do it always, always, I can promise you this, always fails. It may not yet. You may be going, oh, no, you don't know my life. I'm deliriously happy. I got all the stuff and everything's working. But you're not dead yet. <laughs> There's still things out there for you, and it's coming at you. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, forever. He's going to be there. And I just want to remind you of that. So just continue to seek him. Make him first. Seek him, seek him, seek him. Get in the Bible. Find out what he's saying to you, okay? Lord, we thank you. Thank you for this day. What a beautiful day to worship you and to praise you. And I thank you, Lord, for these who are here at the altar. I thank you for people who are seeking you. I thank you for those who are standing there and that are saying, yep, that's right. I'm seeking Christ. That's all that matters. Lord, I want to be a part of a church that puts you first and seeks you with all of our heart, that nothing else matters. Lord, we want to lay up riches in the bank of heaven. Help us to begin to give our lives away so that we can do that, Lord. That's how it's done. We love you. We praise you. We can't wait to see what you got planned. Lord, I pray that you will protect and keep everyone here today. Lord, I know it's warm outside. Help them to be cool. Give them uh, comfortable stuff that they need. <laughs> Lord, bless them. And uh, Lord, you have your way in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.